0: Rolls on. We are an Odyssey original podcast. If you don't already subscribe, make sure you do that for us. Also, turn on the auto download. You can get the podcast anywhere you get the podcast. One of my favorite spots, the Odyssey app. It's killer. It's free. Not only can you get our podcast, but if you're a baseball fan, a basketball fan, whatever you're into, you can find it on the free Odyssey app. So make sure you check that out. uh hearty hello to our YouTube viewers, some of which I'm sure are decrying the shirt I'm wearing but that's okay. Thank you guys. Make sure you hit subscribe and the notifications bell when we have a new video up. And of course, during the season, we're live on Sunday nights after the game as well. So those are always a blast. All right, Mo, we come back. One of the things that you and I have talked about here on the show, uh, really since the offseason, moving into the draft and after the draft is the Raiders need in the defensive backfield cornerbacks. Uh, the Raiders needs help there. Rocky Sin was a guy they traded for. Remember, in the excuse me, went to the Indianapolis Colts. The Raiders received Rocky Sin. He had one year left on his contract. They let him walk away. He signed with Baltimore this uh, this off season. And so Mario Tovar over at Raider Ramble he did a story asking the question: Did Raiders GM Dave Ziegler drop the ball on not retaining Rocky Sin? Let me ask you this question: First of all, how would you characterize Yassin's performance last year in a Raiders uniform.
1: He was he was solid. He wasn't a number one corner, a lead corner you can expect to take on a number one wide receiver on the other side of the field. But he was a solid number two, which is which is what the Raiders needed. So I understand Mario Tovar's perspective on asking the question, you know, did they make a mistake there? But what I will say is that it seemed that the Raiders had moved on. If you remember back in free agency, they signed David Long Jr. And they also signed Brandon Faison. Then you go into the draft. They waited till the fourth round to draft the quarterback. But if you read Peter King's story, Peter King spent the night with the Las Vegas Raiders in their draft room. They expect Ja'Cory and Bennett to play right away. So they have a, a rookie who they expect to play right away and two guys they picked up in free agency. It was clear to me that they had already moved on even before Yassin had signed with the Ravens for a one-year, four million-dollar deal. So, and also remember, Yasin finished the year with with a knee injury, I believe it was. So, yeah. we don't even know what his condition is. So, maybe there were questions about how well he recovered from his injury, or where he is in his recovery. But clearly, the Raiders thought that they they made some better options or better, better choices in free agency and the draft at the position.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right, and and it's interesting because I listen. I like the player. We talked about it last year that uh, his time with the Colts, you know, he did well, too. He was he was well-hyped out of college, a big pick for them, and he suffered there with some injuries. He suffered again, like you said, at the end of the year with the Raiders. It didn't impact him most of the year, but certainly towards the end of the year it did. I just think, though, that people understand, you know, they see a guy, and like you said, he was solid. It wasn't like he was an all-pro. It wasn't like he was terrible. He was not getting burned. He wasn't toast. Uh, but at the same time, he wasn't so spectacular that they felt that they couldn't do better on the open market. And you talked about some free agents that are still out there that they could sign. I still think Mario's piece uh, at the website said that that he felt that the Raiders' cornerback um, uh, core is actually stronger than most people think. I think there are some spots there, but there are also a lot of question marks, aren't there?
1: Right, and I, and I know I would be remiss if I didn't mention Duke Shelley because there are a lot of Raiders fans yeah. out there who are big fans of Duke Shelley and think that he could be a number two after his sort of breakout year at the Minnesota Vikings last year. So that adds to my point that the Raiders just have so many other options that they were comfortable letting Rocky Rock, Rock, Singh go. But what I will say about the cornerback position on the Raiders roster is you have Nate Hobbs, who we think could be an, a lead cornerback. Now, he took a step back last year. He had a hand injury, so that was part of it. But a lot of people think Nate Hobbs is a, is a lead corner. It's the other two spots that you're worried about. Who, if if Nate Hobbs is playing in the slot outside, who's going to be opposite him? And I think the rate while the Raiders do have depth at the cornerback position. There's still a lot to prove among the guys who can play a lot of snaps. We mentioned David Long Jr. He had some moments with the Rams, but still has a lot to prove. Young. Uh, Duke Shelley he has one solid year with the Vikings. Still a lot to prove with consistency. Oh yeah. Fre- uh, Face on who we saw two years ago under Gus Bradley. Can he play that well under a different defensive corner? Because he did lead the Raiders in pass breakups that year. And I believe it was 2021. And then Ja'Cory and Bennett, who I like out of Maryland, who I think can be a starter. Obviously, has a lot to prove because he hasn't played a snap with the pros. So again, the depth is there. It's just one of those one or two of those guys have to step up. And of course, you have a Robinson who improved under Patrick Graham last year, also has to show some consistency there.
0: Yeah, and there was also some thought, uh, especially in the conversation here about Rocky Scene, about the fact that well, wait a minute, the Raiders traded Ngakwe for him, and now he's gone. Well, our good friend and your colleague at Bleacher Report, Matt Holder, wrote about it and said, hey, it's pretty much a wash because Ngakwe's gone too. He's not on the Colts anymore. So I know people like to look at a trade and say, well, but they gave up this guy. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, you were kind of swapping value there. They were kind of equally valued. Uh, and now they're both with different teams, right? They're both gone uh, from the teams that traded them to one another. And so I think you look at that. I think fans look at that. And and I I know fans are not as down on Dave Ziegler as they are on Josh McDaniels because the body of work is greater because we saw 17 weeks last year with Josh McDaniels, but I think that's a little bit of the carryover here too. It's like the, I think I find that Raider Nation just wants positive momentum and it seems like, hey, here's a player, the fans liked him, they thought he did well, and then he's gone and they kind of turn their ire towards the, the, the franchise.
1: But like matt holder point on it's basically a while wa- y- Gakwe is not even on a roster right now no. which surprises me because he, he has like eight socks in like four or five consecutive years and he's not yeah. on a roster which is nuts to me but um pretty much the teams that made the trade the colts and the raiders neither acquisition worked out for the long term right, right? so but as i said it's just a matter of i, I think the raiders play the numbers game rather than re-sign Yasin they felt like, okay, one of these guys has to show up and show something at, <laughs> through training camp in the preseason and we can plug that guy in opposite Nate Hobbs while we have Meek Robinson in the slot.
0: And that's what I think you see NFL front offices do in cases like this, Mo, is that, listen, we trust our talent evaluation. Now, whether or not they're right, we'll see, to your point, about the young talent coming in and anybody else they add. But they're, in essence, saying we're going to bet with our evaluation on a younger guy coming in who who's not going to cost us as much because they have a lot of work to do. Uh, and I still think they have work to do before July as well. And so – I think that's where they're at. They're, they're sending a signal to all of us that, look, we're good. Yeah, he's a good player. They're not no, nobody said that Rock wasn't a good player and he, that he wasn't a good cornerback. That's not what they're saying, but they're saying we're going to trust our own evaluation. We're going to trust our own plan on what we want to do long term, and we'd rather save the money and do something else with it.
1: When you go on, when you're on Twitter a lot, you see a lot you see a lot of this where a player is kind of trumped up more than what they were. As we said, Rockettson was solid, but the way some people were carrying on, you'd have thought the Raiders lost a Pro Bowl cornerback. I was like, okay, Gasson <laughs> was decent, but it's not like losing, you know, Sauce Gardner or something like that. Like <laughs> we're not talking about a top tier player. Like it's it's quite obvious, as you said, the Raiders wanted to go young or with guys, other guys who may have had a decent year last year. Like I said, Duke Shelley was solid last year. So if you look at the swap off, you get a a solid year from Duke Shelley, you get David Long Jr. who's still young and had some bright spots and you get a young rookie cornerback and Jacorian Bennett who you think could be a starter. And you say, well, the, the pluses Mm -hmm. outweigh the minus.
0: Yeah, I think so. And listen, I rather see the team, not that, that Rocky scene wasn't a younger player, but I rather see the Raiders go the rookie route if they miss on a pick and the guy doesn't turn out, like Bennett doesn't turn out to be the guy they want him to be, okay, they own that. But i rather see them do that because they're trying to build from the ground right there. They're trying to get a player into the system right out of college, get him into the culture, more importantly, the Raiders culture that they're building in the building, and get him from there. I'd rather see that than re-sign a guy who has done well but is going to get more money. So we'll see what ends up happening uh, with that one. But Mo, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this segment before we before we move on is uh, Mark Davis. So I don't know if you guys are keeping track of what's going on with the rules. We talked about the numbers. We talked about the emergency quarterback coming back. But also there is the, the proposal on the deck there with the owners for their meeting soon where the Thursday night game could be flexed. So let's say the Raiders are scheduled or let's say the Cowboys are scheduled on a Thursday night against someone and the Cowboys end up being 0-6. And so the NFL wants to flex them out, move them back to Sunday and move, let's say, the Raiders and the Chiefs to Thursday. That's one of the proposals on the table. Now, Mark Davis has spoken out and said no, and he's done it from the fan perspective. And we're seeing more of this, especially with some journalists and some other owners Coming out and saying this, and I agree. You know, the NFL has gotten so expensive; fans have trouble. We know this in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas is the stadium with the highest priced tickets in the league. So I feel for Raider Nation. They tell us all the time, Mo, that it's expensive. Yep. So, so it's expensive. So now Raider Nation, for example, makes plans. Let's say they have a Thursday night game, which they do. They make plans. They book their hotel in Las Vegas. They book their airfare. They get their friends to do that. Everybody's meeting in town for the game. And then the Raiders lose two in a row and the NFL decides to flex them out. And suddenly you're stuck with plane tickets you can't use. You're stuck with a hotel that you lost because it took a deposit and fans lose significant amounts of money. Kudos to Mark Davis on this one. I don't know how the rest of the owners feel on it, but the flex thing on a Sunday or a Monday night, I understand it to a certain degree But a Thursday night, Sunday, it's bad for fans going to games.
1: Mark Davis is a man of the people, and that's why I think a lot of people like Mark Davis, because he doesn't act like a pompous, arrogant, rich person. He looks like a lot of things from a fan perspective, and I think a lot of fans would agree with him. If I made plans, I would be pissed if then the NFL flexed out the game. And was like, as you said, what am I going to do about my (laughs) itinerary, my itinerary, my plans? So. I I get it from that perspective, but you know how the NFL works. They want the best product on the TV at any given time and sometimes at the expense of fans and fanfare.
0: They do. And and that's the thing, though, is it's the TV money, right? Because, well, without the fans, they can't. Well, yeah, that's true. Fans spend significant amounts of money. Don't get me wrong on merchandise, everything. But TV rules the game, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I worry about that, too, because that is true. Just like if you remember during the playoffs, they were talking about – the future of maybe having playoffs in a thir- in a in, in a um, neutral field, right? So that you would have it. It was based this time on some other issues, but they were thinking about the fact that they might have the playoffs like they do the Super Bowl. And then, But then you hurt local fans. So if you're a local fan in Las Vegas and you have season tickets and the Raiders make the playoffs, you get first dibs on tickets. And now suddenly they put the playoff game in LA or they put the playoff game in Texas. Like, how do you do that? So, so I, I wonder, the NFL is always going to float stuff out there. I think this is an example of that. They're floating it to see what the reaction is and to see what'll happen. Uh, it also can hurt a team as well. Imagine a team... Uh, plays on uh, a Thursday, and then suddenly their game gets flexed to the other Thursday. It just throws off schedules. It's all sorts of things. It's not impossible because you're still playing on a short week. I just think it's bad for the game, but the NFL will do what's good for the NFL and what's good for the Greenbacks, so we'll have to see where it goes.
1: They're going to tinker with things, but this, to me— doesn't make sense. I, I just say there, it's bad enough that people are pushing back against Thursday night games. Now you're going to flex them and, and possibly, you know, kind of, I don't want to say ruin people's schedules, kind of change them under short, not under short notice, but change them. Because I did I did see something where they said it would give them a certain amount of days notice before they just flex this. It wouldn't be like, okay, Monday, we're making this announcement that you're flexed, your game has been flexed. From Sunday gonna, to Thursday. Yeah. Right. They're going to give them weeks in advance. But I think still it's it's just rough as you said fans who make their plans months and months in advance
0: yeah that's that's the big rub there and i just don't unless they have a way to make fans whole which they don't control the airlines, so they can't do that because a lot of Raider Nation flies all over the country. A lot of fans from the NFL, from teams fly over the country to go see their team. So we'll see. But but kudos to Mark Davis for bringing up that discussion point and representing the fans as an owner because most owners really don't pay much attention to the fans. So anyway, okay, we're going to step aside for our final break. When we come back, Mo and I will close out the show. We're going to talk about another story that just won't die for Raider Nation. What is that? We'll get back to it when we return here on Silver and Black Today in Aussie Original Podcast. Stay with us as we roll on.